Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. I am David. I'm joined by my amazing wife, Jessica. Hello. And we both want to wish you a happy new year. I uh, hope that your 2022 is starting off well. Uh, Rhode Island is not starting off well. We, uh, we've got, a, unfortunately, we've been in the news again. And uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We, we really wanted to talk today about the, uh, the situation happening in Rhode Island hospitals, where the, uh, the, the governor or the Department of Health, um, who would that be, Jess? Which one came up with the policy? The CDC. Oh, right. It started with the CDC, and then they said they're following their guidance, right? Right, yeah. Um, but the um, uh, if uh, you haven't heard yet, they have opened up the um, uh, hospital care to to hospital workers who have tested positive but may be uh, asymptomatic. Is that right, Jess? Right. You can have COVID, and if they really need you to come in, if they're seriously short staff, critical, can, I guess, critical levels, they can ask you to come into work, even if you're positive, COVID positive. Mm-hmm. And this has been a very controversial uh, call, um, but it seems to be that many folks are suggesting it could have been avoided. Uh, the crisis really stems around a, sh- a staffing shortage. We've heard from so many people, and of course, the media has covered it at length, that um, ER hospitals and or ER rooms and hospital beds are, are short, uh, short-staffed. The waiting lines are long, hours uh, that people are waiting. Um, so, uh, so there really is a, a staffing shortage. And your position has been it could be alleviated if we just uh, started to allow back uh, unvaccinated workers, but just do maybe a test to stay. Is that right? Yeah, I've tried to get some numbers from the Department of Health and and the Department of Labor and Training, but unfortunately, they either don't retain those that kind of information or they don't have accurate data. But we can assume uh, through the numbers of um, of uh, physicians that are available in the state that over two thousand healthcare workers were dismissed from their positions for not being vaccinated. So um, that's a huge number, two thousand. Yeah. And so what what I've said on uh, Channel 10 that uh, they asked me to come on, they interviewed me, is that we can alleviate the problem. We, we already know that there's going to be a shortage in Rhode Island. We were already facing um, a healthcare shortage. Nothing this severe. Um, no one was anticipating that. But once you fire thousands of individuals mm-hmm. because of their convictions, their, their religious conviction or medical issues, then you know it's safe to say that if you hire those individuals back, then it's going to alleviate some of the issues, some of the problems that we're having at our hospitals. All right. So the um, uh, I guess this all stemmed out. We we've looked at several different news articles to kind of piece this together, um, and then combining what you know and what people that you've been speaking to that are close to the situation. Um, but Rhode Island has made news this past week uh, for the, for this policy. And um, in short, just this uh, this memo that went out from the Department of Health stated a few things. It said that if um, if a hospital or nursing home environment is in a crisis staffing mode, and that's sort of their their benchmark, then they are allowed to have this uh, you know broader staffing um, 
uh, what would that be, criteria. Mm -hmm. So uh, if they do uh, send a COVID positive person back into the hospitals, um, their, their recommendation is that they would first be limited only to COVID-19 positive patients. So that part seems like it might make sense, right? Uh, if you're COVID positive, you should only be around other people that are COVID positive. Sure, and there's but a couple of problems, yeah. There are a couple of problems with that because um, Joseph Wendelken of the Rhode Island Department of Health, um, he was talking about Eleanor Slater Hospital, which has implemented this uh, allowing COVID positive staff to come back to work. He said, uh, administ quote, administrators uh, communicated that they would try to have them only caring for COVID positive patients. So these individuals that are COVID positive, these healthcare professionals, um, the hospital is going to try to have them only care for COVID positive patients, which means that in all likelihood, they will be caring for non-positive, for those that test negative for COVID. And unless we're living in the times of um, Star Trek, where you can beam individuals into rooms without interaction in the halls or with other uh, healthcare professionals, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible to have these individuals only interact with COVID positive. Right. Patients. Unless they have, you know, a designated entrance and hallways and bathrooms and all that. And they are just in a whole COVID positive wing. Um, but, uh, but that's one of the guidelines. And already we're seeing that that has not been followed, that um, they are more than likely being uh, especially if, if, if they're admitting we're trying, we're going to try to only do it. It sounds like that's um, not going to be the case. So that that's one part of the, the memo that is not being adhered to. The second thing is they're supposed to be asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. um, and the CDC has, has come up with this new understanding that the, uh, the virus is most transmissible early on in infection um, when you're probably coughing a lot and all that. But as you become asymptomatic, the, uh, the virus's transmission rate drops dramatically. Therefore, there's a much lower risk to the patients and to the hospitals. What, what's your con uh, concern there? Well, uh, much lower risk compared to no risk. If someone doesn't have COVID and can care for these patients, you know, which one would you choose? Would you choose someone to care for your mom or your dad or your grandparent, your child, if they were positive, COVID positive, but asymptomatic or COVID negative and unvaccinated? I would choose the person who is COVID free. Right. Um, it is, it's wild. And this is why it became such a national story. Um, you know, there's a third criteria that they're supposed to wear N95 masks as well. Um, but we'll, we'll slide that one aside because I'm more concerned with the fact that they are, um, they are testing positive, that there's no doubt that the state has said a COVID positive healthcare worker can go into a hospital and, um, and, and, and work with these uh these patients i find that so alarming just because you know to your point we we have um healthcare workers nurses cnas doctors specialists who are trained who are certified who are well equipped they know the safety measures the safety protocols and they're ready to go to work uh, mm. some of them have worked in these hospitals so it's just a matter of going back to work they, they just haven't been you know in the hospital for the last two or three months because of the um, the, the vaccine mandate so it's uh, uh it, it's absolutely you know it's, it's shocking it's appalling and i think that's why it made national news so fox news has picked it up and just as a side note um fox news <coughs> fox news wanted to interview you they they actually planned it they scheduled it <laughs> 
and um, <laughs> you okay me. over there? I'm, I'll live. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then the president. Um, president gave a speech and he bumped you, so you, yeah, you weren't able so. to get on on uh, on Fox News to <laughs> talk about this. But um, but you were on Channel Ten and you you uh, highlighted this issue. Do you want to just recap what was something you brought up on Channel Ten? Which which thing? Well, um, there was a few. I remember you you said something like, uh, "We need all hands on deck." Yeah, that's what I've been saying now everywhere that I go, Twitter, someone interviews me. Is, it's true. We need all hands on deck. All healthy hands. Healthy hands mm-hmm. on deck. Yeah, I had to add healthy in there. Um, and I use the an analogy which some people thought were maybe a little bit over the top, but I don't think it was. And I just, because we have these blinders on, I think the administration, they're so it's a tunnel vision kind of thing where, so I just said, you know, if you had hypothetically somebody with um, Ebola and you were in the hospital and you had a choice between letting someone who was Ebola negative care for you, but is unvaccinated against Ebola or someone who's Ebola positive um, and also um, inoculated against Ebola, which one would you rather care for you an extreme example an that extreme triggered a lot example. of people yes. trying to take covid out of the equation but <laughs> let's pretend it's something else you could say it's smallpox or yeah. you know whatever and 10% of the people polled said that they would love to have a bola they didn't positive. say love that wasn't okay. an option but they did say they would they, they would, would prefer yeah. yeah they would actually pick someone with ebola over someone who did not have ebola but was not vaccinated so, against yeah. ebola i don't so, take those people seriously i don't know who they yeah. are because it's an anonymous poll so i don't know who you are <laughs> um but yeah and so just remove ebola and add in uh covid and i think if we're being honest with ourselves we would want someone who is COVID negative care for us and our family. Now you're very familiar with the Eleanor Slater hospital system. And if, if, if someone's listening to this and they, they aren't as familiar with it, you know, they know about Rhode Island hospital or Kent hospital, Miriam, et cetera. Um, why would you say this is so concerning to you? Um, having COVID positive healthcare workers go in and take care of these folks. Well, um, I like to tell people that Eleanor Slater Hospital, that Zambrano Hospital, um, the and even in the one in Burrowville and even the one in Cranston is not like Rhode Island Hospital. It's not like you get to choose to go to that hospital. This hospital is, uh, at least in Zambrano, you're there because this is the hospital of last resort for you. There is nowhere else for you to go, and likely this will be uh, the place where um, either you're rehabilitated to go back home and live at home, or you, this is your home and you will eventually die in your home there at Zamborano. Um, and some patients have been there for six years or quadriplegics. They've had, you know, um, uh, neck injuries where now they're no longer able to use their limbs or speak. And so again, it's the hospital of last resort and really the most vulnerable of Rhode Islanders go to live there. And in Cranston, um, you know, there's a psychiatric facility there and, Some of those individuals are there court ordered, meaning they have no choice but to be there. Um, So it's not like one of those instances where you say, well, take me to Miriam or take me to Rhode Island Hospital. No. There's only one or two hospitals in the state that can um, care for these individuals. Exactly. Right. Um, They're trapped in in, in a sense. In a sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 
we were starting to look at the uh, these articles and put them together, and and we we realized that the timeline on this didn't match up with what the Department of Health was saying. Pretty fuzzy. Yeah, and oddly enough, last week we actually did a podcast episode where we talked about can we trust the Department of Health or do you trust it? Um, because it just seemed like we weren't getting the full truth from them. And, and uh, this isn't the first time. This is maybe the third or fourth time we've seen some some mistruths or half-truths come out. And I'm not sure if it's misinformation or <coughs> the spokesperson was misinformed or it's a lie. I don't even want to assume that it's a lie because, you know, we, we just don't have enough facts. But um, the, the both the Providence Journal has covered this, WPRI, Eli uh, uh, Sherman, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eli Sherman from WPRI and Kathy Gregg from the Providence Journal have uh, have looked at this. And I just want to piece together this timeline for you. Uh, if you're if you're listening, I would encourage you to check out these articles. Um, but Tuesday, January 4th, Kathy Gregg wrote this in the Providence Journal. Uh, quoting Joseph uh, Wendelkin, who is a spokesperson for the Department of Health. And he said, no, uh, no facility has reported to us yet they are in a, that they are in a position that requires COVID-19 positive healthcare providers to be working. So on Tuesday, January 4th, he said, there's no facilities reporting that they're using healthcare workers who are COVID positive. If a facility does reach that point, that information would be posted publicly so patients and families would be aware. So again, this is uh, Joseph Wendelkin from the Department of Health. Uh, so Tuesday, January 4th, if you're following along, um, no healthcare workers that tested COVID positive were in the hospitals. Um, but then uh, we were told... So we have January 1st and January 4th, there are no uh, COVID-positive individuals working at the hospital. On Thursday morning, January 6th, um, Fox News reported that there, like other states throughout the country, Rhode Island is implementing the CDC's quarantine and isolation guidance, um, and that there are no facilities in Rhode Island who are currently using the COVID-positive staff. Um so Wednesday, Wendelkin made it clear that, again, no facilities in Rhode Island had COVID-positive staff on site. Right. So then that brings us to... That's when, uh, Thursday, January 6th in the morning. Right. So then Thursday night, Eli Sherman, uh, WPRI, he reports that 28 patients tested positive for COVID in the morning which is about 14% of the hospital's patients. Right. The hospital has about 200 people in its care. Yeah, so the outbreak um, came in the wake of the state announcing that they would align with federal guidelines and permit these COVID-positive healthcare workers to treat so patients. So there should be no surprise here. You know, if you're going to put COVID-positive individuals in a hospital setting, they are going to transmit the virus. Uh, it is going to get around, especially when we we know how transmissible something like Omicron is. Right. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. And I think that's one reason why early on, as soon as you heard of it, you, you just disagreed with that policy entirely. Right. But I guess so though, where we have the fuzzy, fuzzy numbers here or muddy waters is that Sherman reported that Eleanor Slater used two asymptomatic COVID positive workers to staff their operations at the hospital on Saturday and three more on Monday. Right. That is when we started to find out, wait a minute, you know, the reporting from the weekend and the reporting from uh, Monday and Tuesday was that there were no COVID positive healthcare workers in the hospitals. 
But then by Thursday evening, Eli Sherman uh, through WPRI had found that that was not the case, that right. over the weekend um, there were two. And then on Monday, there were three more that were, um, that were COVID positive and in the hospital. So why is it that on Wednesday we were still hearing as as the public why were we still hearing that there were no covid positive healthcare workers in the hospital or on site I think it said no facilities across the state number 1 mm -hmm. and then secondly there were none on site uh that just wasn't true so again this comes back to that question what's going on with the Department of Health? Uh, we need is, a clear timeline. We need to know. We, for sure. Yeah, I think the public um, the public demands it, and I think the families and the patients deserve it. They, they should know what, you know, who's caring for them, and at what point were they being introduced um, to COVID-positive healthcare workers. Right. So... Um... You having trouble with your laptop over yeah, there? Yeah, it's back up now. Okay. But uh, I'd like to bring out a point here that um, that the administration knew that this was coming. They knew that the COVID numbers were about to rise. And now I'm going to be quoting Brian Amaral of the Boston Globe. We're going all over the... Yeah, we're covering all the major news outlets. All the major news outlets Channel 10, for Rhode Island. WPRI, Fox Kathy News. Craig and the Providence Journal. Mm -hmm. But on January 4th... Um, so. Governor McKee repeatedly stated that COVID was ramping down on COVID um, the week before Thanksgiving. But according to a confidential memo obtained by Brian Amaral of the Boston Wait, Globe, wait, I'm sorry. You you said January. Oh, January 4th, uh, Brian Amaral broke the story. Right. Right. But the um, he was quoting uh, Governor McKee back in Thanksgiving, right? Yes, okay. the week before Thanksgiving. Um, so... According to this confidential memo obtained by Amaral, show that the administration's analysis, their um, the administration staff had uh, provided an analysis and warned that there would be a COVID spike. Spike, um, and what does that mean? What does that mean for Rhode Islanders? That means that we could have started increasing testing. Mm -hmm. We could have already opened up these private labs. So. The numbers were indicating mm -hmm. that we were going to have a spike. And the governor told us all that it's ramping down. Ramping down. Yeah. So um, and all, I'm gonna say that although we have seen modeling in the past where some of the, the individuals were a little overzealous and the models were ridiculous and they didn't even come close to the actual numbers of COVID, uh the model in this memo was uh, almost spot on. It was wow. very accurate. Hmm. The article states that the model showed 4,000 new cases in a week, and we've seen about 3,000 new cases in a week. Wow. And when he said that we were the that COVID was ramping down, we started ramping down on testing because of lower demand. But again, the administration knew that the numbers were about to spike. Hmm. So hmm. Um, this is also another uh, a failure or administration. I'm not sure what to call it. Record, yeah. I know there's a lot of tough decisions that have to be made, and uh, you, you, you want honestly, we want the governor to do well. Obviously, oh, of course, the yeah. Public safety, mm -hmm. public health at stake here. Um, so that that was a giant misstep. But I think what I'm uh, concerned about not is just not just that he ramped down, but he he said he was ramping down when when the indications were showing that. Uh, we're about to get hit with another spike. So that was um, 
Well, that's uh, the thing is if you want the trust of the public, mm-hmm. you have to be honest. And if you're saying that COVID is ramping down, so we're going to ramp down testing when you know that the models are showing that COVID in, in fact is going to ramp up. Um, and then you're, we're putting our trust in government mm-hmm. to make these decisions on behalf of Rhode Islanders because we elect you to, 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 to govern well. And you put in COVID positive um, healthcare providers to care for Rhode Island's most vulnerable. I mean, this is misstep after misstep, and I honestly it's very reactionary. I, I always try to see or try to think through. All right, what's their point of view? What's their perspective? Why would mm-hmm. they do this? And um, I understand why what their reasoning is to a to a to a certain extent, to a degree. You know, I understand that we're in a healthcare crisis. We are facing a staggering uh, staffing problem, something that we haven't seen at all any in any of our generations, in any of our, our lifetime. Um, so it is a severe staffing problem. And you've got to make some tough calls about who you're going to let in to, to work, but why in the world you would not rehire uh, you know, relax the vaccination policy, but allow them to come in, do a test to stay, you know, just like is working with, with our school districts. A lot of kids are... They've abandoned tests to stay. Who, the uh, school districts? Yeah, they don't have enough tests. So oh. it's, they're they're still going to do... A, kids can stay, mm-hmm. but it's going to be like monitor to stay. I say, Oh, jeez. But I get your point. But the, my thing is... I think the, the tests could be prioritized, though, to the hospitals. For sure, 100%. Yeah. Yep. Um, but what I think is, would I have been as critical if we had to have COVID-positive individuals, say, on the tail end of their uh, recovery? I probably wouldn't be if we had exhausted every other viable option. Mm-hmm. And a viable option is allowing COVID-negative individuals who are unvaccinated to be in the hospital and care for our most vulnerable. If we had exhausted that option and there was really nothing else we could do and we were still at critical care mm-hmm. and we needed more hands on deck, then right. at that point I would say, we are in a situation where um, the ratio to patient to um, staff member is so dangerous that we need to do this. Well, this is uh, definitely a, a uh, this healthcare crisis has certainly uh, created a strain on the state and um, uh, I would encourage folks, especially people of faith, um, to be praying. Pray for our state. Pray for our governor, healthcare officials. I know there are a lot of tough decisions that need to be made in a crisis, and sometimes you're making the best of bad decisions. Um, so, uh, so we're just going to pray wisdom over them, but um, also pray for the families and patients, people that have to go to the hospital. This is a tough time for a lot, a lot of people: healthcare workers, nurses, frontline workers. So, uh, I definitely. Um, would encourage folks to pray for them. But I um, just want to ask Jess as we're wrapping up this episode, uh, any final thoughts? Final thoughts. We need a a timeline, an accurate timeline of when COVID-positive individuals were um, uh, allowed to work at our uh, Eleanor Slater Hospital, but also um, the modeling. We we knew that ramping up testing was going to be necessary instead of ramping it down. And uh, accountability needs to happen, and hopefully that's going to happen in Senate oversight. Interesting. All right. So I'm sure there'll be more to come on this. It sounds like uh, reporters are starting to ask the same questions you're asking, and um, hopefully the 
administration will be more forthright and forthcoming about when and where and how this all happened. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. We encourage you to um, to be praying. Pray for our state and pray for our hospitals. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Today's closing quote is, if you want to be trusted, be honest. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 